Welcome to the backdrop, Untold Stories in Golf. I'm your host and co-founder of New Club, Matt Considine. Today, we have a very special guest, Rob Falconer, the superintendent of The Loop, which is Tom Doak's ingenious reversible golf course design right there in Forest Dunes. Uh, it's going to be hosting the last two rounds of this year's Summer Medal, and we cannot be more excited uh, for that. Um, we're very excited to talk to Rob today. Uh, he's been the super there. He was the assistant super uh, prior to that, and uh, it gives us a lot of insight to to a place, some things you might not consider when maintaining and taking care of being the caretaker of a reversible golf course. Um, we talk about the conditions, the firm and fast, and, and how that becomes reality. So very excited to talk to Rob today. Very excited to get up to Forest Dunes for our, uh, our summer medal, um, which would not be possible without our partners of this year's summer medal and the last three. Yes, we're talking about Journeyman Distillery. So Journeyman, uh, we've gotten to know these guys fairly well over the last few years, Bill and Johanna Welter. Um, they truly are building something special. You know, their uh, expertise is whiskey, but they've expanded into so many other spirits. And what I've always grown to appreciate with them is um, their care for their team and and their products, what they put out into the world. It's very... Uh, intimately tied into golf as well and their inspiration comes from scotland as does ours and um just just such a cool place you know they they donate uh one percent of all proceeds from their silver cross whiskey back to kids and and organizations around golf golf charities such as first first tee youth on course uh teaching kids the game of golf and, and its values so uh check them out Go swing by their 30,000-square-foot real grass putting green right there in Three Oaks, Michigan. That's always a lot of fun for the family, the kids, your friends, and enjoy their spirits, enjoy golf. And thank you to Journeyman Distillery again for being a part of this show and making sure that our members have a great time uh, sipping spirits on our summer medal coming up this week. Without further ado, on to the show. Falconer, welcome to the backdrop. Glad to be here. Thanks, Matt. Thanks for joining us. We're on the eve of our summer medal, which for here at uh, New Club, we got 24 of our members coming up uh, to to play a bunch of good world class golf in Northern Michigan, as uh, as many will know. But our tail end, our last couple of rounds are at your place that you're the superintendent of, uh, the Loop at Forest Dunes. So I thought it'd be fun to have you on. Um, to chat a little bit about uh, about the place. So thank you for being with us. No problem. Thanks for having me. I'll start with, uh, are there, being a superintendent of a reversible golf course, how does it differ from being a superintendent of a single direction golf course? What are the, what are the, the things that are unique to your job? Uh, the biggest, the biggest thing that's unique is, so um, we move the tees every day. And on a, on a normal golf course, instead of moving the tees, you know, one or two feet forward or backwards, I, you know, we have to move them the length of the hole as it reverses. So every tee gets picked up and, and placed out, you know, down the other side of the hole as we go around in, in the big loop to, to set the course up for the day. Um, partly the reason... No, my team markers you'll see when you get here if you haven't seen them before they're they're simple little flags and i only have one team marker marking each 
each teeing area, if you will. And that was done a little bit selfishly just to help us speed up in the morning as we go around. So instead of having to set out two tee markers, you know, for the, for the back tee, two for the middle tee, two for the forward tee, it's just one at each place. Um, so that's the first thing. Uh, the other big adva- advantage, and it really is an advantage, is that because the course reverses every day, we can start um, mowing the fairways. We mow the fairways once a week. Um, the loops fairways are massive. They're 90 acres. It's all fairways. I have no rough. Um, it's all one height of cut out there. Um, but that's about twice the size of a normal golf course. Well, normal golf course will have about 40 acres of fairways. We have, you know, like I said, 90. Um, But because the course reverses, we're able to start on the back nine and stay out of play. So I can send out the same, you know, I can send out three mowers that start on hole 10. They mow 10 through 18, really don't get caught. The next day they go out, start on hole, what is now 10 again. We do 10 through 18, the other side. Um, and so that helps out a lot. Um, the other big advantages are just the wear patterns. Um, as people traffic and travel, it changes. You know, you don't go on and off the same car path in the same spot every day because it's one, you know, one direction like you would on a normal a normal course. Those are, those are the big ones. Yeah. Uh, I remember l- listening to Tom Doak on one of the podcasts, probably the Friday that uh, was talking about irrigation being different from a building standpoint, you know, that he, uh, you, you look at the irrigation and the um, uh, sprinkler heads that are out on the golf course, you know, it's because of how it kind of operates both directions. It might be placed a little differently than you, you might see at a single directional golf course. Um, for you, does that change at all? I mean, is that something that um, not really. Um, it, the big thing with, with the irrigation and the control of it is, um, so you're, you're given essentially a giant map, like the loop has 955 heads on it. Um, and each one of those heads is individually, you know, controlled, you know, has its own identification, blah, blah, blah. But to, to keep it all straight, it's it's numbered holes one two you know fairway heads on hole three fairway heads on hole four you know type of thing so it doesn't matter what day if it's a red day or a black day if i'm turning on heads you know i i have to know how it's in the system because the system doesn't change so the the irrigation map is laid out by the red route so um everything's you know laid out laid out through the red routing and that's partly part of the reason I only refer to the golf course by the red numbers. Um, because in my head, that's just the way it makes sense. That's the way the irrigation map flows. Um, and that way it relieves confusion when I'm talking to my crew. If I, you know, if I tell them to go to a certain hole or something, they know what hole I'm talking about because I, I only call them by the red numbers. That, that was one of my questions for you was absolutely going to be that is like, how do you guys keep it straight? And, you know, I, I was thinking it's almost like you need to understand two different languages in order to communicate with your team, right? The black routing, and the red routing, but you, you're saying pretty much all communication happens in one routing and that routing happens to be the red. Yep. And, and, and the reason, like I said, the reason I chose the red was for whatever reason, 
the, the first time I like saw the loop actually when it was in construction, we kind of pulled up to the first hole, one red. And so instantly in my head, that was the way it was kind of ingrained. And then for me, luckily, the irrigation map is all laid out in the red routing as the numbers. So it just it just made it easy for me to just keep calling them the red number because that's the way it makes sense in my head. So Yeah, yeah. Uh, cause I, I, I had a hard time. I've only played the loop one other time and it was actually on my bachelor party. So on top of, uh, uh playing it backwards, I already had a couple drinks in me and it, so the memories aren't crisp, which is why I'm, I'm so excited to, uh, be getting back. But I when, remember, when did you play it? Ah, uh, this would have been 2019, July of 2019. Sure. What can I expect, uh, different from that time frame to, to now? Um, not really much different. Uh, I added a bunker on bottom of the hill of, uh, on the right-hand side of red 18. Uh, that was, it was all native down in there. And we, we tore all that out and put in a new native bunker in there. Um, I changed the flags probably <laughs> about, about it. Nice. Well, I mean, the one thing that, that I've seen at least this season and you, you posted a video recently um, of you bouncing a golf ball like it's like it's a uh, what's the most popular grocery chain in in Michigan? What I was about to oh, say, Meyer, probably. OK, I was about to say, you know, Mariano's or, or Jewel Osco, but that's not over in your part of the woods. So um, a Meyer, you look like you were bouncing a golf ball on a Meyer parking lot, uh, which was one of the fairways, one of these 40 acre fairways. Um, so you got it. Is it, is it your goal to get it firm and fast like that? Yeah. The, the loop is meant to be played that way. Um, I, I am more concerned with how it plays than what it looks like. Always, always more concerned with how it plays. More. I mean, granted, I, I want it to look good. You know, I don't want it to be all tracked up and, and look crazy bad, you know, but, uh, you know, a little bit of Brown, a little bit of, uh, you know, purple here and there. That's all fine. It's good. Um, it wouldn't play right if it was, if it didn't play that way. And it, it just, what makes the loop special is that style of golf. You just can't find everywhere. And, and, and I have it, it'd be a shame to mismanage it. There's a lot of people listening that are probably like, yes, not in a long because um, I, I think there's this part of the the golf uh, subculture, perhaps that, you know, a lot of us that have played links golf and have been overseas have seen these places that uh, they, they, they aren't like yourself. They're not as concerned with how it looks and it's more about how it plays. Um, and I know so many of us feel like uh as challenging as your job is as superintendent that more places could, could kind of take that approach. Do you find it you're kind of alone in that regard or because of the place that was built with that in mind? Um, I mean, are, are, how many other of your, uh, your cohorts or your, your fellow superintendents are, are kind of in your mindset of like, that's what I'm trying to do here is I'm trying to get this place to play that with that uh, firmness. Um, honestly, I think all of them are. Like, like when, when, when you talk with other superintendents, um, every, everybody's trying to provide those fast and firm conditions. The, the catch 22 is 
in in the private club world or in the in the upscale public type resort golf world, our our comparison is what people see on TV. And so the you know if you call it the Augusta syndrome or whatever you want to call it, but the reality is people think you can have lush green, 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 everything, and still have it super firm and fast. And the reality is, is, you know, those, those courses for, you know, PGA events and stuff are, I mean, the resources that are spent for one week versus what we have to try to make happen year round are, are, are just two different things. And so, um, you know, it is a battle to get the firm and fast the way you want it. Um, but, the reality is, too, you are, you know, we're all subject to the, the, the clients, if you will, be a membership or guests. And the reality is, American golfers especially, they like to see green. And they like things green. And they like to look at country club type conditions. And... It's, it's no more right of me as a superintendent to go to a country club scenario and be like, no, it's going to be brown and you guys are going to learn to like it. You know, that that doesn't do me any good. You know, if, if, if what they want is green and, and a little bit softer, then, you, you, you know, they're the boss, right? Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's fascinating. It kind of comes from our expectations as golfers that have such an impact on your guys day to day. Right. Um, and in a lot of places, I just wish it didn't because I kind of subscribe to the policy of let the experts be the experts, let them do the, their, their job. And, uh, yeah, you, of course you need feedback. I mean, when, when you get feedback like that, Rob, when somebody, you know, says it looks Brown or the grass is dying or, or whatever they might say, I'm sure you get, I'm sure you get some of that, how do you deal with it? What do you, what do you say? Do you say something back? Do you have your kind of soundbite? How, how do you go? Um, I, I, my kind of canned answer um, when, when someone will say like, you know, when's this place going to look like, you know, cause I get the comparison to forest students a lot, you know, um, I have this distinct advantage of literally being a parking lot away from the super manicured, high detail oriented, you know, Parkland style golf of forest dunes. And, you know, people will say, well, you know, what, when's this going to finish, finish growing in and look like that one. And, and my kind of canned answer is never, you know, and they always look at me funny and I'm like, no, no, it's not supposed to, And you know, try to try to briefly educate with, uh, you know, this is diff different style, different types of grasses, you know, it's meant to look and play like this and, um, and hope you can get them to understand a little bit, you know, it's it, it's tough. It is a little tough. They, you know, people have that preconceived notion of, you know, green is good. Yeah, yeah. It's it's uh, it's so unfortunate. I I feel because our group <clears throat> that was up there, we had probably half of them had traveled, <clears throat> had played Scotland and Ireland and some of the links courses, and they had seen brown. You know, they had seen uh the firm sandy soils and the bounces that you don't get anywhere else and they, so they they loved the loop like love love the loop and the other half of our crew uh were parkland golfers you know most of them grew up in ohio and they were playing tree-lined uh squishy you know aerial <clears throat> aerial golf courses and they and they're some of them great golf courses of course but 
uh, they were a bit confused and they didn't get it. And they said exactly what you're saying about Forest Dunes, where it's like they love Forest Dunes. You know, oh, my gosh, did you, how, how perfect is this place? Felt like a private club is some of the words they would say. And uh, it was just such a dichotomy of us sitting at the table having a beer afterwards. And, and I'm like, you know, in inside, I'm screaming, you're crazy. The loop is is, is so much fun. And not that Forest Dunes is not fun. It is. But I just find that those unpredictable bounces, uh, the ability to play whatever shot you dream up is is at your disposal when you're on the loop. And uh, that's exciting to me. I, I really just love that type of golf. Yeah, no, that's that's exactly. Um, I, I joke around that uh, the loop is the only golf course that I ever, ever see this with that. When you hear people talk about the loop, they love it or they hate it. Like it's 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 it makes me chuckle because I mean most golf courses people will either yeah they love it or yeah it's okay it's not my favorite whatever I don't hear yeah on the loop ever it is like this is the best course ever or I will never play another hole on that take me back to Forest Dunes and let me have my parkland like it it's it's just funny because it is it is one or the other there there just seems to be no real extreme. Um, luckily most people love it, but, but the, the few guys that you'll, you'll come that just don't get it, I mean, they don't get it. Yeah. Uh, and, and I think it's like, it come a ways since, uh, cause when did it, when did it open? When did the loop? Uh, it opened, uh, kind of for preview play in June of 2016. Yeah. And you, and you were there as the assistant, correct? Super assistant, nope. super no, I was actually um, out of the industry when it opened in 2016. Um, I came back um, the spring of 2017 to op- kind of finish growing it in and kind of get everything open, opened and um, kind of finishing touches on the loop type of thing in the spring of 2017. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. And, and I know, uh, again, listening to either um, the, the past owners or uh, maybe it was the Tom Doe pod, but just the the idea of you know this is probably a pretty good walk walking course might be walking only and, and I think it ended up going the cart route just because of the you know American consumer wants to be in, in a cart for sure um, and and uh, just that like I don't know if it had to do with past ownership that that has changed since that want to kind of lean into the conditions of the course or what have you I'd love your opinion on it but it does feel to me as someone who pays attention to all the different trends in golf and all this, that the, the loop was slightly ahead of its time in terms of the, the mass, you know, retail golfer uh, making trips and understanding what, what this type of golf is, that it might've been just a, a, a tad early. And that now that fad has been more publicized uh, all the golf publications now talk about, you know, your destination golf courses that are more link style, um, how, just sheer revenue dollars have flooded towards those places more so that it's like kind of come into its understanding a bit. And now the mass, uh, the masses are, are starting to see like, Oh, I see it for what it is now. I was trying, I was looking at it through the lens of, you know, comparing it to the the sister course or the course across the parking lot or comparing it to the private club that they play at. But it, it feels to me that the golfer's mentality is starting to, to change and open up a bit more to, to that experience. Would you agree? 
Uh, yeah, a little bit. Um, when it comes to the, the walking versus riding, um, yes, but and I, it seems to be a Michigan thing too. Um, I mean, people just love to ride. I mean, plain and simple. Um, and it, it just kind of is what it is. Uh, we have I have noticed that there's there's definitely been more walkers this season than in the last couple of years since we've added carts. Um, so maybe some of those destination guys that are coming that are used to going to Bandon or Sand Valley or other places where it's walking only, um, you know, just kind of naturally kind of fit that here. And so they've, they've been walking a little bit more. Um, and, you know, do I wish it would have stayed walking only? Yeah, but, um, you know, I, I really can't, I really can't say the course is suffering. Yeah. from the carts so i mean when you look at revenue and you know i used to do one round for every three rounds that were over at fd you know when i was walking only and and you know now it's almost a 50 50 split so i mean can't can't argue with that yeah so it's it's not at a detriment which is is great but wh why do you say you wish it would stay walking though what what to you uh makes the loop better if you walk or would you agree with that? You 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 cut out there. I, I missed that. Oh, just just you you said you know you do wish it would have been stayed walking only or been walking only. What why is that in your mind? Um, to me it was just special, right? And it and it created an experience, um, as as well as the conditioning, the experience that people aren't used to. What, what I wanted them to walk away with, was hoping people would walk away with, was an experience that like they never had. Taken a professional caddy, had taken and, you know, walked a course and got to kind of feel it and see the movement and, you know, have that experience with their caddy and, and kind of get that whole kind of emerged in it feeling that a lot of golfers have never had when they're riding around with their buddy drinking white claws and and hooting and hollering right and you know that's what i saw you know in the first couple of years we were still walking only and it was so neat when you you know you drive around and, and that's what you'd see you'd see these group of guys walk out the fairways talking ribbing each other having a good time um it was so quiet out there because there was no no there was no you know, even electric carts, you hear the brake pedal, you know, from a hole away or whatever. Like there was just none of that noise. You know, it was just nature and just the golfer, the course, you know, just, just like I said, you were, you, you were immersed in the golf experience. Like you don't get when you ride a cart. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I walked it uh, both ways and felt um that connection all those things that you're talking about and again probably half our group were riding and you know it did it, it it uh I've, I've trained myself to just you know work well with carts right but it's not my preference um i but i, I had an appreciation for the the land i think it, where it hit me was uh flipping around the next day and then walking the same turf essentially but having no like I'd have to turn around every hole and be like, man, did I just walk past where my tee shot was on, you know, two yesterday or like it, 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 it's very stimulating in a way if you're, you know, 
deep into your game um, because where can you have that experience? Like, it's just, it's so unique in, in, in that. And, and I think you miss what I, what it drives me nuts about carts is uh, one, the conversation doesn't flow with the whole group. That's probably my, my number one beef I have with, with what I'm trying to play, you know, social golf with members and people to, to get to know. Um, but then the other was uh, you, you just fly by a lot of spots that are just cool. You don't want to appreciate the land. The land there is so freaking cool. Um, I mean, do, you get to see this place intimately every single day. What are some parts of the topography that always stand out to you or that you always pause and, and reflect on? Uh, for whatever reason, the shot for, for red is a, is a part about a 160 yard ish part three. Um, and for the tee, it, you know, it looks good. And I like that view too, but literally just ahead of the tee, um, kind of almost by where the, the red, the forward tee is, the red tees. The way those bunkers look, I, I just love it. The green seems to look like it's in kind of out no man's land almost. And the, the the fairway bunkers there give the appearance from the tee that they're closer to the green than they are, and they just they look cool and they're stacked nice and and they I don't know I just I've always loved that spot um, I've always thought it looked really cool um, oh geez where else there's there's a few others thirteen green um, I really like thirteen green for some reason how it how it comes in. Um, yeah, there, there's all kinds of little, little spots, little things. And, um, there's a spot up six T on the bootlegger, the par three course. I don't, I don't know if you play that yet or not, but that, that T box is about the highest point on the property. And you can look out, you know, over a hundred thousand acres of national forest. And like, it's, it's just a cool little spot. So yeah, we're we're teeing it up on the bootlegger, of course, uh, for the evening after we play play the first round on the loop. Um, the uh, you know we just came off the open at St Andrews, and um, I've been thinking about it a lot, and I've I've said this uh, a few times to people now, but uh, other than other links courses, you know, on that side of the, the Atlantic, I I think the loop is about as close to the old course as you're going to get in terms of the subtle undulations and the, and, and the video of you bouncing golf falls off the fairway. Like, like it's a parking lot. I mean, uh, when you hear something like that, cause I, 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 I truly mean that, you know, when you hear something like that, was it, what does that make you, you think, are you surprised or, or no? Um, a little spread just cause I've, I've never been to St. Andrews. I've never been over there to, to, really know what those courses feel like and and you know you see them on tv but again you don't really know what it's like until you until you've been there um but i've heard it enough times from enough different people that <laughs> that make me just go well it's got to be pretty close right because uh, just too many people have made comments to me about man this is this is just like overseas this is just like being over there that that there's obviously some validity to it and and take the compliment again, because for me, then that is playing the right way. Right. So yeah. thank them and 
say, maybe one day I'll find out. <laughs> yeah, you got to get over and see it for yourself. It hit me on my my last recent trip because uh, I've never I, the days we played uh, the loop we didn't have much wind and I wanted to um, hear how how you think that that changes when the wind does blow there because I we just didn't have much and it was hot and it was a bit sticky but the ground was still moving fast uh, miraculously my last round at at the old course we didn't have much wind and I and it, I thought about it again I'm like wow without wind on the old it felt more like my round at the loop. Does the loop get good breezes though? I mean, this time of year, what's the kind of trade wind, if you will? It, it surprised me to hear you say it wasn't windy because we, we kind of joke around. The wind's always blowing over there. Like more often than not, the wind's, the wind's blowing. Um, you usually have a nice breeze from the West at some, you know, either a Northwest, a West or a Southwest, um, you know, throughout the summer. Um, it usually gets blowing fairly decent, um, you know, 10 mile an hour-ish, 10 to 15. Um, if you get the wind where it's cranking, which this summer has been a lot, we've had a lot of wind this year, and um, the the loop is a entire different experience when the wind gets cranking. Um, it it gets fun. It gets uh, a little frustrating, it, but you, uh, you have a total different experience when it's blowing 30, 40 miles an hour. It, it, it really does impact the game. I'm going to say a little prayer the night before I'd, I'd love to get some of that win for our, our crew out there in our competition. Uh, careful what you wish for. So I'm going <laughs> to say, cause it, it really, it really makes it challenging. It really makes it challenging. Uh, back to the, the firmness, because I, I think it's one of the key things that <clears throat> separates uh, the experience at the loop. Obviously, there's a lot of other things, too. The, the reversibility of it, uh, being able to play at both directions, the, the whole scenery and just being out there in nature. But you're being able to get the, the conditions firm what does it take? You know, for I know it, it takes something different for every different every site, but for from your day to day, like what what do you do where that that ensures that happens? Because I know you don't control the weather. You know, that's something I always think about with you guys. Is like, how the hell did they? We had a rainstorm two days ago, and this is for how do they do this? You know, like so. So what what are the keys for for that firm firmness? Uh, the the biggest thing is water management. Right, how you manage your water um, dictates everything. Um, luckily, with like the loop, um, it's it's all sand underneath. Right, like I, I tell people that, and they you know they nod their head, but you really don't understand it until you've been out here and you see every hole ever dug as deep as you want to dig is nothing but that fine blow sand like it's uh it just it drains insanely well so that's that's the biggest advantage i have um you know that it's very conducive to the fast and firm conditions because it does not hold water period so that's how we can get giant rainstorms and 20 minutes later, you're out there and you watch the ball bounce. You go, how is that even possible? It's because the water's gone. I mean, it just goes. Um, now, 
you you manage that with with your irrigation as much as you can because um you know you can overwater things and 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 get them softer um that's the biggest thing is is managing your water do you have any uh tips for our our crew that's coming up because you know we're we're there for a good time we're there to enjoy the golf course but it is a competition rob all right we crown a champion of our summer medal what uh what tips do you have this is the last two rounds um what would you tell somebody who's looking to score on the loop um well it it helps when you know where the bailouts are i i personally feel like um tom left you a bailout on every green there's there's one there's a miss right that isn't near as penalty you know punitive if you, if you miss it right on this green or left on that green or you know if you know where those are that that helps a lot now from the t-box you can't always tell or you know if you haven't played there enough you can't always tell but you know if you're standing in the fairway and you're 120 out Take a quick glance around, you know, around the green, and and kind of look to yourself. Oh, that that that's a little flatter over there. Maybe maybe that's the the spot I should, you know, try to be missed you or um, that would help a lot. Um, the the other big thing is, man, if you've got a sixty degree wedge, just leave it in your car. Don't don't even try. Like it. It's 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 very kind of frustrating to watch people hit try to hit shots that they just can't execute and and then get mad that the ball didn't stay on the green or the ball rolled back to their feet or it's like you should have put it in. Like I know it takes some getting used to, but you you truly can putt to these pins from 20, 30 yards off the green. Like it's it's the best play a lot of times or to take a um a hybrid or like a five wood and make like a putting stroke and and just get the ball rolling and and let it roll up you're you're going to have more control over it than than you are trying to take your wedge and try to fly it to a two-foot circle that you're going to miss and then have it roll off the green yeah it's it's uh it's such a test of of the ego sometimes but um you play enough that golf you start to give in and say okay the wedge stays in the bag on this one cam smith didn't you know hit the flop on 17 uh, at that open he he kept (laughs) that that club was in the bag for a reason and that putter came out because that's not even possible like i was on twitter and people were talking about like oh i'm surprised it didn't go high what what are you talking about there was no high there was a the back you know right in over the bunker into the pin was all down slope. You were on the road. If you try to flop that shot, uh, it's, it's a putt. It's a putt. It always was. It always will be. And, um, I think you just need to play some of that golf to, to appreciate it. And a couple of times around the loop, like you'll get it right. He'll, you'll get it down, but you gotta be willing to, to practice it, go with the putter, go with the rescue, maybe a bump and run, but, uh, most people aren't, there's a good, isn't there a good practice putting green though, right in front there, you can hit some longer, <laughs> off the, off the green type things before you tee off. Yeah, no, there's, there's plenty of room. There's plenty of room. And we, we mow the, the kind of the surround cut down just like we do on the course. So you can get a feel for what it's like to put up 
put up and onto him. Um, yeah, no, take it, take advantage of that because it, it it'll save you in the long run. Trust me, it'll save you strokes if if you kind of get the feel for that lag putting and and get that down versus trying to be finicky with those little wedges. Yeah. Well, um, last question for you. That's outside of the loop. I think, you know, thank you for sharing some insight here with us as we come up for this one. Um, I was going to ask you, cause I know you're a native Michigander. Uh, we're, we're kind of do a tour de force of Northern Michigan. Um, where are some non-golf stops? You know, we're coming up summer months. I know it's a, a busy time of year, but where, where are some places to hit up, whether food or attraction or otherwise? You are asking the wrong person. <laughs> uh, that That is, uh, uh, yeah, I, that is not my expertise. Um, you know, Michigan's, Michigan just has so much outdoor nature stuff, right? Like the the, the beauty of, of Michigan is, I mean, it sounds hokey, but it, it truly is the, the pure Michigan, right? That the ag campaigns we had, it, it just, it is Michigan. It is the rivers. It's the, the forests, it's the campgrounds, it's the lakes, it's the great lakes. Um, you know, all those, all those little towns, they all got the best pizzeria or the best ice cream shop or the, <laughs> the place where you get the fudge or, you know, whatever it is. And, you know, they're all good. Right. Um, and now, you know, the, the craft brew kind of uh, craze that's happened, if you will, you know, everybody's got breweries, everybody has their own little, you know, favorite microbrew, you know, to, yeah. to try out and, um, you know, which one's better than the rest. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, there, there's. Uh, I, I want to make a trip back where I hit more of the you know small spots, um, because I, I when when you're a golfer and traveling, you, you want to hit you know Forest Dunes, you want to hit Arcadia. You, we're gonna play Belvedere and we're gonna play Kingsley. So like our we got some big names and it's all very special golf. But I I've I got to sometime in my lifetime just do kind of the the. Uh, hidden gem tour or the course next door tour. Cause I've seen just out the car window, some incredible places that I've never recognized their names, but I'm like, that hole looks awesome. I would love to play that course. Do you, is any of those come to mind that, that people might not know about that are up in your, your neck of the woods? Um, well, let me think, you know, there, there's so many good golf courses in Michigan. I mean, it's, it's, kind of an embarrassment of riches, right? Like there's just, there's just so many good golf courses and, and there, there, there is, there's all kinds of great, great, you know, courses, Jesus, Pete's, I mean, from all the courses in Gaylord area to, um, you know, the Boeing courses to, um, I mean, they're just, they're all over, right? Like there's just so many, really good holes of golf sprinkled in all these courses throughout the entire state. <laughs> yeah. You, you do get a little bit of that when you drive down roads here, it's like, Oh, look at that golf course. I wonder, I wonder what, I wonder what that one's like, or, you know, they're just, 
boy, it's it's tough to say. It, yeah. There's just there's just so many good golf courses here in the state. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, I you know, growing up as an Ohio, and I was told there's nothing good in Michigan. Don't even talk to people from there. You know, you you got you're not missing anything. Boy, was I lied to, Rob. I am angry at my family. <laughs> yeah, no. We have the same thing with Ohioans, but I, I don't know. I still just think it's true that, you know, there's just nothing good down in Ohio. It's <laughs> just flat land. Well, you know, maybe, maybe I, I, this was an olive branch today with you, Rob. <laughs> Native Ohioan doesn't seem so bad. I don't know. The guy seemed okay. Yeah, no. Well, my, my assistant actually was born and was raised in Ohio until he was like 12. So I, I give him a lot of gruff too, but the good news is, is he converted to a he moved up to Michigan when he was like twelve. So he he's converted to a Michigander. So I, yeah. I don't have to pick on him too bad. But we, you need it. You need at least fifteen years to get the Buckeye blood really flowing through <laughs> you. You know. Um, well, Rob, thank you. I know you got a busy day, man. Thank you for uh, joining us. Looking forward to being at the Loop here this week, uh, this coming week, with our summer medal. And um, yeah, just just uh, pumped to be at Four Stands. Well, we're glad to have you, and uh, yeah, hopefully the weather will cooperate. Maybe you'll get a little bit of that wind you want, and uh, make it maybe just the final day, just so you get that true like links experience on your final final round, just to crown your champion. That separation wind, really, you know, <laughs> the the uh, posers and the performers. That'll be the difference. Now, th- thanks, man. Um, we'll hopefully see you then. All right, thank you. Today's episode of The Bag Drop was brought to you by our partners, True Temper, Golf Blueprint, and this July's official partner of the Summer Medal in Northern Michigan, Journeyman Distillery. Journeyman Distillery has been distilling artisan spirits for over a decade now in their historic Featherbone factory located in a one-stop light town of Three Oaks, Michigan. It's grain to bottle, certified organic, kosher, and gluten-free award-winning whiskey. Check out their full line of spirits over at Journeyman Distillery on all social and journeymandistillery.com.